0: Welcome to Amiga Ireland. It's the 12th of July and I'm Irla. I'm Rob.
1: And I'm Luke. How are you doing, guys? Luke, what have you been up to? Um, to be honest, pretty all right. Um, we've had our first um, Norwich Amiga Users meeting last week and it was pretty all right, to be honest, you know. You'll find the short um, video in the um, show's description notes. Uh, we've had only two computers, actually, and... Uh, a six hundred and CD thirty two, but uh, it was pretty all right. I must say it was pretty all right. It was brief, and uh, it's a good start.
0: Exactly, you got to start somewhere. Well done.
2: How about you, Rob? What have you been up to? My wife and my baby have been away for a couple of weeks, so I've had loads of time for doing repairs and catching up on all this stuff that you know I've I've had to do for for, for a long, long time. So, uh, so I've managed to uh, to. Uh, Hand back a few Amigas that I've been working on, and if, of course I've taken on a few more. <laughs> so I haven't actually freed up any space. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, have, having fun there. Also brushing up on a bit of A-Rex. I've been uh, working on some uh, personal paint filters that I've wanted to do for ages. And, you know, I, I really like A-Rex actually, and it's been quite a while since I've actually done anything with it. So it's nice to, nice to get back into it.
0: Cool, fair play. The conveyor belt is still going there in the Cranley
1: household. Absolutely. Very good stuff. IREX is a very, very intelligent language, I must say. It's a lovely
2: language, actually, and you forget. You kind of forget when you go back to it, you think, oh, this is uh, it, it is quite ahead of its time. Absolutely. Yeah. What about yourself?
0: I was due to um, submit my paper for college in August, but um, I actually found out that the deadline for the draft is actually uh, this month. So um, with the weekend free coming up, um, initially the, I was going to work on that, but in the end we ended up all hopping in the car and going to Connemara for the weekend. So <laughs> um, <laughs> it was uh, half about, you know, taking advantage of the weather and the other half was about sheer denial of <laughs> what's what's happening. So uh, yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah it was lovely. We, we saw some really nice stuff. We went to Colmar Abbey. We were in Ukterard and we were down to that waterfall there at the Golden Mile, which is really nice. And um, we went to Roundstone, um, there to have a bite to eat on the pier where they do all the fishing and stuff. Um, yeah, we had a lovely time.
2: Sounds awesome. If, if the weather was anything like it was here, that was pretty spectacular then. Actually had a go at playing, um, disc golf for the first time there at the weekend think i should add some outdoor activity (laughs) just been sitting inside soldering so there's a guy at work who's big into disc golf and it's kind of golf with frisbees basically trying to get the disc into a basket at the end of the hole and it's quite good fun actually out, out in the sunshine with you know with a bunch of guys from work
0: that sounds really good yeah let's go into the news First up, Enhancer software version 1.4 is to be released this summer and there's an update by Matthew Lehman on amigadeveloper.com and um, a lot of Amiga developers got together and met up in person instead of online which um, I love the sound of. They were all working away on their Amiga x1000s and x5000s and they have more of these events planned and they've got updates uh, for multi-view scaling uh, in terms of speed uh, of rendering images and stuff like that custom menus and docked applications which sounds like um what kind of got introduced around you know on mac and later windows 7 where you could right click an application icon and interact with it directly there and the sound data type now supports streaming so um yeah that's really interesting so you can head over to amigadeveloper.com if you want to see more of that
2: there's, there's some some nice key stuff because uh, especially with the, the the multi-view improvements because uh, the traditional data type model doesn't support streaming or kind of you know real-time interaction with it with with the data which is, which is uh you know which is why when you use them that it kind of you can have to wait for the entire image to be ready or to be downloaded or you know uh, playing just a single uh, piece of music or you know you have to have the file there and ready and it doesn't it's 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 nice to see those changes it's uh, you know it's you know, something that's kind of was a fantastic idea back in the day, and it was lagging behind now. So that's great. Mm-hmm. The MMU libraries uh, have been updated again, and these seem to be updated almost every podcast, which is fantastic. Um, this this updates a small one, but it has some some bug fixes, and and it, and um, it also has. Support for, uh, for new hardware that's been released in the last while. So, so in there is, a uh, sort of recognition and support for the, the VA2000, which is a sort of a homebrew, uh, graphics card, uh, for Zorro Amigas and for ACA accelerators, which are, you know, relatively new, I suppose. And, uh, you know, so it's, it sort of supports their memory maps and their, the MMU and whatnot that, you know, that's needed for them. When e 4 has been released, so, uh, there's been a Beta version of this available for a little while, but the this is the full release of what I would reckon is the best Amiga emulator that there is, and this has a complete overhaul of the graphics subsystem, which has uh, which lets you use uh, like you know the, the variable sync monitors like the G Sync and V Sync if your PC supports it, and you know your monitor and graphics card all support it, and that lets uh, the when you e- emulate, the Amiga at such a low level that you get. V- Essentially lagless video. So it's, it it can chase the beam as it does on a real Amiga, which is, you know, which is a massive improvement over the, the you know, the frame buffer method, which was used before, which, you know, which wasn't a, wasn't a slouch to be honest, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. You know, it's a big rewrite of a significant portion of the emulator. And that's, it's, yeah, it's well worth a look if, you know, especially if you're, you know, if you have a system that can take advantage of that. That's,
0: that sounds incredible. Because lag is the main complaint for people running emulators, I think.
2: Yeah, and especially with the Amiga, where a lot of stuff is synced to the you know, you know, with copper lists and things like that, is is synced to the beam position on the screen. So this this enables that to be emulated one to one, which is, you know, amazing, really. But um, what
0: what kind of system would uh, let you use a multi monitor setup uh, if you had one?
2: If you have, let's say. Um, two graphics cards in an Amiga. You can have a separate display on both screens and and you can also use the negative output like not not in the same sense as on a PC where you've got sort of you can ex- extend your desktop. Uh, I get but you. You, you know when on the Amiga when you sort of flip screens with the top right gadget and you can flip between three or four applications. Yeah. You can have them on different screens if you have multiple graphics cards in your Amiga. And so that's kind of how the Amiga handles it. Cool. And up up until now WinUE didn't support that and this is another, you know, big thing probably not a big thing for a lot of people but it's a big thing as regards how the emulation works and so that's that's uh you know it's, it's sort of a headline feature i suppose
1: right we've got a news from the c64 world now uh pre-order for myhem in monsterland 25th anniversaries has started and um Um, You'll find all the information on BinaryZone.org slash store. And uh, for those who don't know this game, um, Miami Monsterland um, was first released in 1993, and it was a magnificent platformer. Um, uh, At that time, C64 was already dying, uh, if it comes to a software site but this last um gem actually was released and uh, if you're in like a collector for C64 games this 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 game is just is just a must in my opinion until uh, Sam's Journey this was the best ever platformer for C64
0: yeah i actually saw that being played in the museum uh, in Galway by Alana and it looks really good
1: very good game very good one the KTRL
2: CD32 pad or Control CD32 I'm not entirely sure has been released you know, this this is a, a a great little uh controller and what what it is this guy on on the EAB forum has um he's taken you know the, the the SNES style clone basic clones of SNES uh control pads and they're they're quite common nowadays with USB connections and some of them are really nice you know the really nice buttons and they're really well built and You know, the SNES is, you know, is a good controller. Basically, this guy has taken these and he's developed a circuit board that you can put inside these controllers that lets you run it on uh, CD32 instead, which is, you know, which is is great because the layout is very similar. You know, the same four buttons, same shoulder buttons, and the SNES just has one extra button uh, select, and that's it. So it makes a lot of sense, and he has them available as fully assembled, ready to go, Or as a kit, if you're, you know, if you're into the soldering. So I I got my hands on one of the kits there a little while ago and put it together. And it's a, it's a great controller. You know, it feels really good, works really well. And, um, nice, nice bit of hardware if you're looking for a CD32 pad, because the, the official ones and the, the competition pro ones are very expensive these days. And these are, these are a lovely alternative because they are, they do feel good. Now they, there are slight problems with, uh, some A1200s. But the guy is very helpful and uh, he's kind of working on bug fixing them and, you know, he's well aware of it and it, there are some easy fixes that you can do to sort it out for if you had, do have a problematic machine. You now, I should say as well that it has a, a programmable option so you can have auto fire and also remap the keys on it so you can remap the up button or the up on the pad to one of the buttons, you know, for for platformers which suffer from the, the Amiga control problem that, you know, that doesn't, you know, might work on a joystick but doesn't work well on a controller um, so you can do that. And you basically remap any of the buttons as you as you like. It's it's a really well implemented controller.
0: Excellent. We've actually just I got a, a CD32 um, power supply complements of a retro ready one. We're gonna hopefully have that on display soon. But we have one controller for it, so maybe this will be solve our second controller issue.
2: Absolutely, I can I can highly recommend it.
0: And Versus 8 Disc Mag for July has now been released and you can download it um, at the link in the show notes here. And they're also looking for your feedback. Uh, the standard is really high. There's lots of content. It looks really good. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading the whole thing um, later on. So well done to everyone for releasing that.
1: mod 3.11 has been released and uh, a lot of bug fixes uh, actually uh, have been introduced. And I think Mod4S developers uh, have been really busy recently, like uh, um, with the 3.10 release and now 3.11, they are uh, working really hard to make this uh, operating system look well, work well. And uh very enjoyable. Um uh, so uh if you if you haven't upgraded your morphos on your system partition, please do so. I didn't update
2: to 3.10 to be honest. Um so I'll be I'll I'll, I'll download this one. But it's it's normally how they they go, you know, there's usually a massive release. And then a while later, they have the smaller release to fix the, the massive release. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, 3.10 is a, is a really like a massive release. And, yeah. it, uh, and it introduces, you know, also in like a new version of OWB with a lot of uh, fixes. And, uh, it's again up to date and browsing, you know, the internet is, is, is all right again. There's mm. also, you know, like, um, a modern, um, email client. Um, Iris, and uh, works pretty alright. Still in better version, but works pretty alright, I must say. So, uh, go for it, Rob. I'm sure you won't be disappointed, to be honest. No, absolutely, absolutely. It's just, uh, I, I
2: haven't turned that machine on in a while. <laughs> that's, that's what's happened. You've been it, very busy, to I be have, honest. Yes, that's, that's, that's <laughs>
1: it. <laughs> just, just move more first, uh, higher on your priority list. Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely. <laughs> Along with buying food and... <laughs>
0: Okay, let's move on to the gaming section.
1: So we start with The Legend of Atlantis, again, um, a game um, inspired um, with Indiana Jones uh, movies. This game is for C64, it's got beautiful graphics, high resolution graphics, uh, which doesn't happen very often if it comes to C64 releases, and uh, it's a new release as well, and it's very playable, Um, so uh, take a look. You, I'm, I'm sure you'll, li- you, you'll like it, you'll enjoy it. There are loads of C64 games and uh, actually every developer uh, needs some support Absolutely, and is
2: is this? Uh, I haven't really looked at this. Is this based on the fate of Atlantis? The you know the indie click. Point no, click game?
1: I don't think so. No, it's okay. something in like something a mixture of uh, I think Rick dangerous and uh, I would say ah. like all uh, um, old Indiana Jones from 1989. If you if you've if yeah, you've seen yeah. it, okay. To Very the good. to these uh, platform sclo- scroller. Yes, so, uh, but uh, with a totally new approach, you know, like the game is very polished, I must say.
2: Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: Another release is Worthy for Amiga, and it was launched on Amiga Bill's Twitch channel recently. Um, it's a very interesting game. It looks really um it's got a really nice attractive look to it. it's a very unique game it's It's not like another game that I really can think of anyway um and one thing that makes it very interesting is that the weapons are limited, so like in a lot of games, you just you keep shooting you might upgrade or downgrade weapons, but you always have a weapon, but you've a very limited number of strikes and a very limited number of opponents, so you have to sort of be strategic about where you move around and um it's a really nice game.
1: Very polished game again, you know, and uh, it's a release that hasn't been written in Backbone. It's, I think it's <laughs> Assembler. I'm, I'm just stunned with this game and uh, looks fantastic, plays fantastic as well. Really worth checking out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, really does look the business. And, Works
1: uh, actually on any Amiga. Requires, you know, like I think like 512 kilobytes of RAM. Is, this, is it not a one meg game?
2: It was developed for OCS, so it should run on anything with the, with the right amount of RAM.
1: Yeah, and it's smooth.
2: Yeah, it looks it looks brilliant now. Really, a lot of work gone into the artwork on it, and and to, to, yeah, the polish.
1: Right, we've got another release again for C sixty four. It's a different approach um, regarding Rig Dangerous again. This game reminds me of Rig Dangerous, and do you remember a game called Montezuma's Revenge from C sixty four and Atari guys? I Absolutely, loved it. Yeah, so it's a sort of a mixture between those two. The the, the 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 name of the game is Sydney Hunter and a Sacred, a Sacred Tribe. And uh, again, the game is very polished, and uh, it can be seen that uh, the developers uh, have put a lot of time and effort to this game. So, uh, again... If you like this type of uh, uh, platformers, uh, scrollers, and you like Indiana Jones, or you enjoy Rig Dangerous, um, I'm sure you won't be disappointed with this one. When it comes
0: to uh, labelling your floppies on the Amiga, um You've got a few options, um especially when it comes to games. So you can download, you know, the original kind of labels and maybe print those out if you want to. But some of them, you know, the original just came on a disc without, say, a label or any kind of artwork. It was just sort of inked inked on, printed onto it with, directly with ink. So we've created some floppy disk labels for some games that you can download and just print out onto adhesive paper, uh, cut them out and stick them onto your floppy. And um, these were posted up on the EAB website. So Gels- Gelsenek,
1: um
0: created some labels of his own and added them. And some of these are actually editable. So like on, on our link, you can go in and uh, change them or add in your own games or whatever you like. So if you go to um, if you come to the show notes on Amiga Users.ie, You can check out both of those there. But a third option has just been posted by methanoid are um, some labels being sold on a polish website and they basically have a unified look across them and they cover a huge range of games and they're quite cheap to order so um if you don't want to do any of the work and you just want to buy them and uh, which i'm considering doing myself uh, you can check that one out so um yeah it's nice to have some nice looking floppies if you're a, a disc lover like myself
2: yeah there's a lot a lot of people who are uh, you know who are missing discs and you know that or have have discs that are kind of ruined and It's just that's really nice to have them looking nice when you you write them back to new discs.
0: It is. Yeah. And like one reason I'm into it is that um, I don't have enough space for all of the boxes. So if I can make the discs look attractive, it's sort of like the cartridges or something from the old games, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 I
0: agree. And also uh, Bambi Amiga have a service that um, Darren Glenn has set up one of many running on on that Amiga of his um, Mm. where you can Hmm. upload a, a floppy disc image. Send him the price, you know, of a postage, of postage in a disk or whatever. It's, it's not much he's charging and he'll send you back. He'll uh, write the image to a floppy disk and post it back to you. And he does this internationally. Um, so that makes it pretty easy. So even if you have an Amiga, but you don't really know how to, um, get a, an image onto a floppy disk or how to copy stuff, um, you can go to bambiamiga.co.uk. I think it's hyphenated and, um, that service there will let you do that.
2: That's, that's great. And because it's easy to get into a chicken and egg situation, uh, when you don't have a working floppy of, let's say, um, workbench or something like that. So you can't, you can't load it up to transfer other stuff from your PC. So sometimes you just need that first bootable disk to, uh, to, you know, to set up your card reader or to set up your, you know, your, your PC floppy reader or whatever, you know, just, just, just to get the transfer going. And then you can do the rest yourself. But that, that one is sometimes the, the problem. <laughs> so it's, it's a great, it's a great service. Um, there's a great one for the C64. There's a, a, another game called Organism, which is, uh, which has been released. And that is, uh, sort of an alien inspired action adventure game. Um, and it's really, it looks really, really good. It's sort of, it's u- using a lot of the C64's power to, uh, to run it. And it's sort of a, you know, kind of isometric looking uh game it's and it's it's um yeah I haven't played it but it looks it looks really really well done and we really, you know it looks like there's a lot to it as well. So it's a uh, well worth a look if that's your uh, kinda of thing. C
1: sixty four scene has been really active recently to mm-hmm. be honest guys and with all those games we've got another surprise. Uh actually they've started supporting Chaos Engine to C sixty four which is probably pretty challenging considering you know like uh Amiga version. Mm-hmm. that's ambitious very ambitious I must say the music is difficult to to you know like uh, to imitate uh, even though I know this the Commodore said is pretty all right but uh, that's that that music was pretty good to be honest mm-hmm. and the graphics the isometric style again uh, 3d isometric st- style is uh, uh It might be a bit difficult to obtain on the, on C64. Um, However, fingers crossed for that. And I'm really hoping that um, maybe after Chaos Engine, they can, they can release Flashback. What do you think? Wow, <laughs> that yeah, would be awesome yeah, yeah? <laughs> I know that, that I know that it had been in the making at some point and uh, it's it's you know like in the archives of, of c64 games that weren't there are some you know like screenshots but so mm-hmm. maybe maybe some you know like a, a brave c64 developer would be willing or would be brave enough to you know like uh, to try and uh, uh, pick up that. Uh, Project of flashback back in the day.
0: Something else uh, interesting that popped up in the news recently is that um, the World Health Organization has classified that uh, created a, an addiction classification for gaming. So uh, it's classified as a mental health disorder, along with other addictions uh, like alcoholism and, you know, things like shopping and stuff like that. I was actually at a weekend seminar two weeks ago, and it was about child development, uh, trauma and addiction. And um, the kind of consensus there was that, you know, the 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 when somebody is addicted to something right like games, it's not actually the games themselves that are the issue, obviously, and you know whatever kind of precipitated the addiction to the games predates the games or whatever the object of addiction is itself. So mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering why then do we have these classifications? The definition, by the way, for gaming addiction is very much like any other addiction. It's where you are unable to stop gaming. Uh, it's interfering with your life you know it's and your own life is and your relationships are deteriorating you know it's affecting maybe your job or your your marriage or whatever and you're still in the face of that not able to stop um so that's kind of the definition it's it's like most of the other ones um so why do they create this classification was kind of my question so um really this is kind of a hook to hang research on in case there are you know uh, new interventions come up that you know work uh, more particularly to game people who are addicted to gaming as opposed to, you know, others. And it's also as well for people to recognize that I have an issue because sometimes when people are addicted to things, um, you know, we might not realize that this is a problem, you know, in, in the early stages. So knowing that there is such a thing can help
1: people kind of, you know, um, get help sooner. Very sad topic, to be honest. Very sad as, uh, games are really great, but at some point they can be very addictive. Yeah. Right. Uh, um. If it comes to games, we've got uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a game that I think is pretty addictive. <laughs> it's Speedball Two. Speedball Two Ultimate for C sixty four again. So has been released and it's been updated with great graphics, which be which has been pixelated. Uh, taking, you know, like uh, stuff from Amiga, of course, and music's been updated as well, so uh, playability stays the same. It's absolutely great, but uh, if you can check it out, if you like Speedball uh, on C64, uh, why not have a look? You won't be disappointed again. Hmm. I know a lot of people that very would be addictive, happy with that. Very addictive game. Very, very <laughs> addictive. Same I as Sensible Soccer, for example. <laughs> yeah Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lovely. Okay, let's go on to Discoveries.
1: Pixelglass is a great site with many games, many ports uh, of the games um, and uh, new games, actually, like All Our City or uh, previously uh, mentioned Worthy. So uh, have a look, uh, pixelglass.org halt and catch fire
2: won't be uh won't be news to a a, a lot of the a, a lot of people out there i suppose but um i it's only a fairly recent discovery for me i suppose you know it, it was always sort of on my list of things to watch but uh myself and my wife sat down there a couple of months ago and started watching from the start and it is brilliant and it, if 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 you don't know about it it's um tv show it's on um it's on amazon prime and i think it's available on a couple of other streaming sites but um Basically, the, it's, it's set at the start of the sort of the big home computer revolution. Uh, so, uh, the first series is in, uh, you know, 1983, and it's, it, it, it starts off with, uh, basically the, the uh, uh, idea behind copying the, the, or cloning the IBM computer, you know, the IBM PC, which gave rise to the whole PC world that we have now. Um, and, it, you know, while, while it's sort of a, it sort of loosely sticks to the story. You know, obviously there are differences and it's, it's a drama rather than a documentary. There are so many things in it that are sort of spot on or, you know, based on the real events that it, you know, it's really, really interesting. But, um, but also they've, it's done in a really well, uh, as in it's, it's very accessible. And my wife is not a computer nerd at all and she loves it as well. So that, that'll, uh, that, that'll give you an, an idea of the sort of, uh, you know, the thing it is because it's, you know, the really good characters in it and it's on its fourth season now we've we watched the first three and they go through uh three different you know basically it's uh each season is moved on a couple of years so the second season is right about around the launch of you know or has moments of the launch of the macintosh and uh there's a couple of mentions of the amiga in there and at the stage of the second series there are a lot of commodore 64s involved and you know there's a lot of these interesting machines to you know to keep an eye out you know and uh, you know constantly keep my eyes peeled and looking in the background and <gasps> there's there's an atari 800 and you know this is <laughs> you know they've, they've, they've done a great job on the on the on the props and on the um yeah, you know, on the actual machines, uh, and it's you know it's, it's it's really really well done, and it's well well worth the look for for the nostalgia side of it, as well as that it's just a good show in its own right, even if you ignore all the nerdy stuff.
0: Well, that's a great recommendation because I think we all could do something that's um, wife or you know significant other friendly. Absolutely. My discovery is, uh, I suppose, a sad discovery, um, and also about three years late um if you remember deluxe pac-man which is one of the games that was huge when i was in secondary school um most of us had a copy of that on floppy disk Uh, it was really addictive Uh, i didn't even like pac-man until i came across this version so deluxe pac-man and deluxe galaga were both written by edgar vidgal i thought he might be an interesting guy to talk to at amiga ireland um but uh, he passed away in 2015 and his facebook page has been turned into a remembrance page So um, we won't be seeing any new versions of Deluxe Pac-Man. And uh, I kind of regret not getting to chat to him now that we're sort of getting in gear of, um, you know, contacting people like that and having some interesting
2: talks. Yeah, it would have been interesting. It's a shame.
0: All right, community news and events. The Amigos are doing a charity fundraiser. Oh, we missed that, have we? We have. July 7th.
2: July 7th. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sh- oh dear, that's a shame.
0: Sorry about that, guys. We were uh, due to record this a week earlier, so we missed it. <laughs> OK, I'll <laughs> skip that one. Um, let me see. You can still go to... Um, let me see. The, the link they gave out was extra-life.org. Um, you can get the full thing here. So basically, they did a 12-hour session of playing games where people donate and um for every dollar donated you can specify what game you want played for that minute per dollar and the the proceeds go to charity so a fantastic idea there's nothing like it happening anywhere else that i know of and also um i want to thank daniel cyganek who um came to the museum in galway at really short notice to um uh, repair a commodore 64 machine in there and also take away some other machines for repair so um As I said um, earlier, I'm just finishing up a college course. I don't have much time, but I I was asked to pop in to just sort of uh, get a display ready because it's going to be relaunched in remembrance of one of the founders of the museum who passed away. And, um, there were a few things I could not get going just because, um, there was a component or two missing or, you know, there was a key missing off Commodore 64. The CD32 is working great, but you have to keep your weight down on the case, you know. So, um, I, th- I, I had to, I had to leave and I thought, God, who's, who could look at this? Who's close by? And I just, I'll give, I'll give Daniel Saigon a try. He, um, took apart two machines there for us uh he uh, two Commodore 64s he um sorted out the sound on the VIC-20 which wasn't wired up properly and he took away two other machines with him so um you're a trooper Daniel thanks
1: brilliant good stuff good job Daniel yeah yeah uh Tony Galvez uh won a first prize on Amiga graphic contents uh on Posada Party 32 and uh the 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 the, the graphics uh, itself is uh Uh, It's a pure masterpiece if it comes to uh, pixelated stuff. And uh, I won't tell you what it represents. You have to see for yourself. Check the uh, description show notes.
2: The Scottish Amiga users group is meeting up in uh, August. I had mentioned this, we had it provisionally booked. Um, I mentioned this in the last podcast, but yes, it's definitely booked now for the for Saturday, the 4th of August. And that will take place from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. in Shawlands Church Hall on Moss Side Road. And that's just beside Cross Maloof Station in Glasgow. So, uh, if anyone's in or around Glasgow, uh, please pop in. You know, we'll be, we'll be there. We'll have a uh, whole rake of machines. There's a, 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 quite a, quite a selection of machines these days in, uh, in Scotland with the Scottish Amiga users and, you know, there should be some interesting hardware on on display there. Uh, so yeah, come come along if you're around. Nice one, Robbie. Yeah. Actually, I think Derek Glenn is supposed to be there. Um, he has uh, an ambition this year to visit every user group meeting in Ireland and the UK, <laughs> which is, uh, I'm sure, his wife loves him for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, himself and Paul are supposed to be up as well. So uh, good man, lads for look, Looking forward to seeing them in Glasgow, and you know, after seeing them in Ireland as well. Yeah, and I was chatting with um,
0: Alan as well, um, who comes down from Belfast, the Ireland one, and he was saying, you know, yeah. it'd be good to go to the Scottish one. So um, I don't know when I'm going to. This year is going to be tough for me, but um, yeah, I definitely want to go uh-huh. to the Scottish meetup.
2: Ah, sure, we'll. Uh, it looks it looks like it's uh, popular enough at this stage that we probably have a regular one, one or two a year. So great. We will keep you posted. Good to hear us
0: too. Too yeah. I'm actually following good your to Facebook hear it
2: group. Yeah. <gasps> ah yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah
0: can't miss out. <laughs> okay, it's time for ask amiga
2: Okay, so there's a question on um, on the retro computing Stack Exchange site uh, yeah, from, from a guy whose uh, his partitions weren't showing up. On uh, so he had a hard drive in his Amiga 1200. Basically, when he booted up normally, all the partitions would be available on Workbench. But when he um, booted without a startup sequence, only the first couple of partitions were available. So the answer to this there is basically about setting the auto flags in, on the hard drive. So I'm just going to go into a little bit more detail about that. On the Amiga, the partitions are laid out in a special section of the hard drive called the rigid disk block, commonly known as the RDB. In there, you have the partition layouts, and that, that describes how big the partition is, where it starts, where it ends, what file system it uses, and all, all these various other things, block size. It, it will also contains a few flags that cover things like, is the partition bootable? And so you want at least one to be bootable, and then you put Workbench on that, and then you can boot from it, in, and it'll show up in your... Early startup menu and all that kind of stuff, um, and boot priority, which decides which partitions to try first, and you know it'll go through them in order, and that decides your your boot order if you've got more than one workbench setup, and and also auto mount is a is a flag in there as well, and so you could if you have a partition that you don't use all the time, you can switch off the auto mount, and that means it's not taking up memory all the time. If you know if you're tight on RAM, that might be an idea, and you so you can you 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 know you don't have it there every time and. And um, and you can always mount it afterwards. Now to mount it afterwards is a slightly tricky thing in some ways, but it is it is perfectly possible when it's booted up. That's normally how uh, the partitions are mounted. Now for the original question, the thing is that if if the auto mount flag is set in that HD toolbox, which is what control, which is where you go to set up your uh, your partition and its flags, it should still still be available when you uh, boot with that startup sequence. So there are a couple of things that might be going on there, and one is that. It is only meant to be manually mounted, but some program or script somewhere on this during the startup is automatically mounting it. And so, you know, bypassing that. Or it's beyond the four gigabyte barrier and you don't have the necessary files or the necessary um device driver and file system to access that partition. And so that's that's you know sort of slightly more of a worry, but uh you know, so in that case the partition won't be available, and that's for good reason because if you access it without those files loaded, you can corrupt data and cause yourself all sorts of problems. Yeah, so basically what could be happening there is that the new drivers are being set up as part of this boot sequence, you know, with, with set patch or or whatnot, and, and that's why they're only appearing on Workbench. If it should be an accessible partition, and the, the manual mounting can be used, and that can be used either with a mount list... Or with OS three point nine and I'm trying to remember if OS three point five came with it, but definitely OS three point nine has a, a a tool called mounter. And if you start that and just point it at the, the, the disk like sort of like device unit one or unit zero or whatever, it will list all the partitions and you double click on the partition to mount it if it hasn't been mounted already. And it's a it's a handy little tool for that. So, uh, yeah, it's just a quick overview. There's, you know, obviously a lot more detail give you an idea of how that whole part of the OS works. I didn't realise
0: there was a way to to mount stuff without uh, using a startup script.
2: Any readable partition should be available without the startup script even. So, uh, you know, it's just something to be looked at. Okay,
0: great. Let's move on to online activity. So the top tweet... Uh, for this month on amiga ireland was about coverage that the c64 mini got on a website called nos.ie it's I-E it's an online print irish language magazine and um, i was surprised to see that one to be the tweet that got the most engagement thanks to everybody who liked and retweeted that one including radio on the gaelteachta j on crack And also in our (laughs) Facebook group, um, our new members include Jan Halholm, Stephen Deborah Dowden, AmigaLove.com, Paul O'Brien, Chris Todd, Alan Maynard, Marcelo Fraga. I don't know, Luke, if you can help me out with this one. Zbigniew (laughs) Misiak. Thank you. Uh, Matt Matt Shively and John Brett So welcome to the group, folks Uh, We hope to see you in January at the event And uh, the top post on Facebook Was a review of F17 Challenge By Team17 With pictures and comments That one was posted by Seamus Doyle On our next podcast, we'll release some audio From the talks at Amiga Ireland this year
1: Including Eddie Carroll Who was at DivaN this year And Neil Kaffricky, key AROS developer
2: From County Cork
0: And Nilo Brolchon, who created the first Commodore 64 game sold commercially
1: in Ireland. We'll also hear from Brendan Smith, the founder of the Computer Museum of Ireland.
2: And he shares some of his insights on the impact Commodore had in Ireland. That's it from
0: us uh, for this episode. Music was by Virtual Dimensions and Banjo-Gayali, so thanks to you guys. And uh, this time we're playing out with um, Into the Wonderful from Gods, which is remixed by Mano from remake64.com so that's goodbye from us take care
1: bye 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 bye
0: congratulations to amiga future
2: just a thing uh, well that was a while ago <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that was about six months ago Here, i don't oh, know where right. that came from <laughs> okay
1: <laughs>
0: where did, okay i don't know i must have um i mustn't have been checking
2: my yeah it might have been an old thread that got dragged up or something yeah okay
0: <laughs> thanks for the cheese <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so no I, bother
1: i that one down seven minutes